me ask you this. Was was the leaker in question, Ed Snowden, was he a traitor? For asking me? Yes. Absolutely. And would that be the opinion also of General Alexander? Is that your opinion? Absolutely. Mr. Inglis? Yes, ma'am. And Mr. Cole? He's certainly been charged, not with treason, but he's been charged with certainly leaking and uh, compromising the uh, integrity of our intelligence system. In your opinion, Mr. Cole, would be considered a traitor to the United States? Uh, this is a matter that's... Um, uh, just your personal indicted. opinion. Just your personal opinion. Uh, unfortunately, as a Justice Department official where there's a case involved, it's difficult for me to do that under the rules of professional responsibility. Does the White House consider Mr. Snowden a traitor? Well, I think best to ask, uh, and when you say the White House uh, collectively, uh, I think most people feel that, that uh, he's done a great disservice to the country. Welcome to Covert Contact from Blogs of War, where each week your host, John Little, takes a deep dive into the national security, intelligence, and technology stories that are shaping our world. All right, welcome to Covert Contact, episode 106. I am your host, John Little. That clip you heard was from a congressional hearing in 2013, in which the IC chiefs pretty clearly stated their opinion uh, about Edward Snowden. And if you follow Blogs of War or Covert Contact for a number of years, you know that myself and William Tucker have covered this story from the very beginning. Uh, and it's, it's really amazing how public opinion and the story has shifted over the years, often in very unpredictable ways. And one of those unpredictable ways is sort of um, the way that uh, the Republican Party uh, opinion has, has shifted on this and the, the right's opinion has shifted. That was evident today when President Trump came out and said that many people believe that uh, Snowden is or has not been treated fairly. And that immediately kicked off discussions about a potential pardon. And that's why I reached out to William Tucker, who was on the show less than 24 hours ago, and asked him to come back today to talk about that. William, welcome back to Covert Contact. <laughs> yeah, it seems like I was just here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're going we're gonna to record more episodes together, I think, in, in the remaining part of this year than we did in the four or five years leading up to it, so... Yeah, that's uh, uh, just with the volume. As you said, uh, since we've reunited here, just the volume of uh, uh, counterintelligence topics that have arisen, um, it's kind of hard to ignore. So there's certainly an opportunity for far more discussions on these issues. Yeah, and this one was a little bit unexpected. This chatter's been going on for quite some time, so it's not exactly new. But uh, I, you know, I did think it'd be a good chance for us to reconvene and sort of uh, reset on this story. It's amazing how much public opinion has changed since we started writing and podcasting about this. You and I have been covering this story from day one. Uh, you've written a, a, quite a few blog posts on Blogs of War about it. I've written stuff there. 
you know, we followed it from the minute it broke until, uh, you know, as he went into Hong Kong and we, you know, nobody knew what was happening, uh, through the evolution of the story. We've talked about it on the podcast, but since we've had a break, uh, you know, public opinion has shifted even more on this and continues to shift in weird ways. Right. Yeah, I think I think in some ways I did. When this broke, he had a lot of defenders on uh, on the right and the left. Uh, obviously, their motivations for defending him was uh, they, there, there's a divergence there. But um, now I'm not so sure what uh, um, what some of those motivations are. I had some ideas, of course, and I'm sure you do as well. But um, I just don't know, you know, how how widespread or how much people are going to recall about this. I remember um, uh, John Oliver, you know, he, was it uh, last week tonight? His show, he uh, interviewed Snowden in Russia, and this is going to sound really strange, especially coming from me, but it was probably one of the better and more challenging interviews coming from the media uh, when they were covering this topic. Uh, so you can pull that up. I think it's on YouTube. Yeah, I've seen it. But he, yeah. So at the at the end he, at the interview, he actually does kind of the whole man on the street and asks uh, people if they know who Edward Snowden is, and there is a lot of no. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I don't know how how far this will go, but uh, amongst some that do pay attention to these sort of things is uh, it'll be really interesting to see um, if anybody changes their opinion uh, based on uh, based on the change in politics, a uh, different president now, um, and he's the one that's looking at pardoning him, or at least that's the that would be speculation. Um, he did bring up the topic. There was some internal polling in the White House, and it looks like it came up sixes on that. Uh, some for, some against. Right. Uh, but, uh, and I think part of that too would be what he took. Uh, some of that has obviously aged to the point where it's just not going to be valuable. Um, but I think part of the part of the issue that's going to be quite unforgivable uh, for those that actually, again, are familiar with what he took is that uh, there were some operational uh, information dealing with uh, combating the Islamic State. So we actually had troops and members of the IC engaged on the ground against this entity, and Mr. Stone kind of gave away the shop on that. Well, he kind of uh, gave away everything, so he, which which is part of the problem, right? Yeah, yeah. And we've and since then we've seen leaks of um, by others where the IC has tried to. Uh, tried to either fix or kind of evolve beyond what he took, um, especially there in the cyber realm. But yeah, this is, it, it's really a terrible story. I, it, it just irritates me to, uh, to no end <laughs> knowing that one, that it happened and two, that he has so many defenders in the United States thinking that he simply blew the whistle on wiretaps when it was, uh, had nothing to do with that. His motivation was uh, certainly not altruistic. Um, so let's let's break. I want to get back to that um, because there have been cases throughout history where um, they presented themselves as sort of, um, you know, d- 
defenders of of liberty and uh, uh, you know uh, stated that they were working um, uh, for a higher principle, and you know we we find out after the dust settles that no, they were just a run of the mill agent for a hostile power, and that was just part of the narrative that they used to to advance their case. But um, there are a few different camps here that are supporting Snowden. I kind of want to go through them real quick. You know, you have, you have the anti-surveillance crowd, which is uh, composed of folks on across the spectrum, right? So it's not, you you have left and and the right. You have sort of the anti-government crowd, which sits again across the ideological spectrum, right? People who just don't like the government in general, right? They're opposed to a strong yeah. government for any reason. It's not just surveillance or anything else. Uh, yeah, and you'll see that uh, again across the spectrum, and that's it's always kind of interesting because the motivations are different, even though the end result is kind of the same. Right, and then, you know, then you have like your traditional like ideology on 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 the far left, which you know, is, again, all these things sort of mesh together. Um, that would be opposed to this. The more surprising element is um, is the sort of mainstreaming of this in the GOP, but then the GOP and and the right has also sort of absorbed a lot of anti-government sentiment in it, right? Which I think is the reason that we see sort of this sort of novel kind of take from them on this case. Yeah, I, we see some certain some oscillations in both parties. Um, it's kind of healthy, uh, you know, on the one hand, but on the other hand is that uh, you get some more French elements start coming to the fore, um, you know, and that's, and that kind of, it won't necessarily shift priorities, but it will shift the conversation. Right. Um, Speaking of the conversation, the other part that we have here is coordinated activity to advance these messages and to build the cases for this, right? Yeah. Um, whenever you, whenever you see something like this, uh, obviously Mr. Snowden himself is going to look for allies. Um, he did that from the very beginning. He obviously found some, uh, unfortunately for him, they weren't the right allies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so that's, that's expected. Um, but yeah, there, there will He'll he'll certainly have his defenders, and I don't expect that to change. But well, you, uh, ha- you have Russia coordinating messaging on this. Sure, sure, and that's again that's expected. Um, the the thing that gets me, and this is one of the things I've been kicking uh, kicking back and forth since you uh, pinged me on this was uh, what's in it for Russia. So usually you have say your your spy exchanges, but obviously that's not what this is. Um, you know, Russia certainly could turn him over, but turning him over to be pardoned, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, what's the motivation for the United States uh, beyond maybe some domestic political stuff? But is the U.S. really going to get anything back? Say, um, uh, there's been two individuals now that have been locked up in Russia for accused of espionage. Obviously, we're not going to get those guys back in this kind of an exchange. Uh, is there something Russia wants? If they ask for something along those lines, I'm not aware of anything. Um, they had a number of individuals that were rolled up about 
what, decade ago now, but they were already taken back to Russia. Um, there's Russian bankers, two of them that were arrested. I'm not sure what their status is now. So, I, yeah, this is, uh, uh, it makes me think there's obviously something that there's somebody's wanting an exchange in that. This isn't just Mr. Snowden's lawyers looking for a pardon. Um, there has to be some incentive on both sides to make a deal. And I just don't know what that is. Uh, yeah, right I, now, it's just a lot of speculation on my part. Yeah, on the face of it, it would seem like he would be more valuable uh, under their complete control. Yeah, and and since he wasn't an operative, he really doesn't have anything to offer them. Uh, most of that classified intel is not going to be, uh, if it's not already useless to him, it's certainly well on its way to being useless. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of... <laughs> up in the air for me right now but uh yeah i'll certainly continue to think about what uh what some of the options would be yeah and you can see why they would i mean why the messaging up to this point had been you know really useful for them right it's divisive it continues to grow yeah. mm-hmm. continues to grow these these camps on the fringes and sort of undermine trust in government in the united states uh you know, turn people against their government. Like these are all objectives that Russia would have. Yeah. I'm just not sure Mr. Snowden is going to be a big enough fish to make that happen. But, um, certainly it's, it's certainly a good play if you say as part of a, a compendium of operations. So yeah. And it, it could be, uh, uh, you know, malicious intent obviously. And, or Russia could certainly just be looking out for their interests, seeing if there's, uh, any attempt at dialogue for anything the U.S. is willing to talk with them on certain issues, you know, that's certainly a possibility too. Um, so they could be floating that out there. But again, if a, if a pardon is actually on the table, that kind of, uh, that kind of changes the, the dynamic a bit here. So let's maybe, uh, spend a few minutes and wrap this up. Um, this is going to be a fairly quick, quick one and, and talk about why you and I don't really see, you know, we sort of look beyond sort of uh, Snowden's stated motivations and and uh, see what he did as, as something that's much more serious and more damaging and uh, inexcusable uh, from our perspective. And there are a lot of people out here who don't spend a lot of time thinking about these issues or the implications of what he did. And, you know, it's it's easy for them to sort of take the whistleblower anti-surveillance message sort of at face value. And yeah, you know, if you catch, if you see something going wrong in government, I think you have a certain, have an obligation uh, to report it, to go through proper channels and there are proper channels to go through. Uh, Mr. Snowden claims that he did. However, uh, there was never any record of it. He, and I know people will simply say that the, uh, the government was covering that up, but um, usually you have some um, watchdogs within government that are part of that uh, whistleblower process. So um, the fact that there's no record of it when there's so many records of everything else, emails, conversations, et cetera, um, it just it just really blows that narrative out of the water that he was a whistleblower. If he really was, if he really saw some wrongdoing, uh, he should have gone through the proper channels. That way, uh, corrections could actually have been made. And I remember at the time, I I, I had written 
that what's what's going to happen uh, with the intelligence community is that when they see something like this, they'll actually become a little bit more insular as opposed to um, looking at reform. And I would argue that's certainly what happened is that they had to shut down, reevaluate things, uh, obviously part of the damage assessment, but right. also also just looking forward is these operations uh that he gave up that had nothing to do with his wiretaps or surveillance. Uh, he blew that and they're important. They have to continue. So we have to rebuild. Um, so, you know, he disrupted an awful lot of things beyond what he, uh, what he claims to have been representing. Yeah. And this and, is, this was data that fundamentally undermined at least for a time, you know, United States security uh, impacted a whole spectrum of, operations, personnel, capabilities that had no bearing mm-hmm. on surveillance at all. And then on top yeah. of that, where do you take that information? You you take it to the worst offender on the planet uh, and seek safe haven there. So that, you know, just it's common sense. It doesn't it doesn't line up very well. No, certainly not. Uh, like I said, I, I think this is something more personal to him. Either there was a personal slight. I mean, I obviously have an opinion on that based on information that uh, I don't feel comfortable making public at the moment. But uh, because just simply because I don't know what the government's released, and I just don't want to uh, cross a bridge that <laughs> that I can't cross back. So, um, yeah, I, it, this seems more more in in line with known his personality, that there was something, some sort of slight, and this is more about revenge than any sort of whistleblowing. I think that was just convenient for him, a, a good excuse. Uh, and we've, but, seen, we've seen that excuse, like I mentioned earlier, we've seen that excuse leveraged so many times. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, I mean, it's, a, it's actually like a narrative, like from the playbook, if you're, if you're going to run an operation like this and then resurface uh, a defector, right? Certainly. And he was, you know, he was certainly a defector in, uh, even though he may not characterize it that way, but this is a guy that, you know, fled to China, uh, a surveillance state, then fled to Russia, another surveillance state, all claiming anti-surveillance. Yeah. It just, it just doesn't wash. (laughs) Oh Lord. Um, but I, you know, I'm sure that we are um, angering many people across the entire political spectrum right now. Uh, uh, and well, lot, I just want to say hi to everybody. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of you know, I, I understand where a lot of folks come from. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm not trying to trash their their opinions on privacy or surveillance or any of that. Yeah, let me just put it this way. You know, this guy did everything wrong if he wanted to blow the whistle on um, with any hope of making changes in government. This guy actually did the exact wrong thing. Um, and I'm not talking just from a that legal perspective, but if you actually want to see change in government, um, going this route does not bring about that change. Um, so even though, even if you may not like the way the government operates, you do have to understand if you do want to see the changes in government, um, betraying people, putting lives on the line, especially when they're engaged in combat against a very nasty terrorist entity, uh, is certainly not the way to, the way to bring about that change. And that's something I, I really urge 
uh, those folks that see him as a hero to understand that. Yeah, we had a discussion. Um, I had a discussion um, in an earlier podcast about ethics, and you know, one of the things that you have you have to think about if you're going to be engaged in sensitive work of any kind. It could be healthcare, intelligence, whatever. It doesn't matter. You have to think about your views, where you sit with those, and the possibility that you may encounter. Uh, problems in your career, almost certainly encounter problems in your career that require you to make difficult choices uh, that are value-based. And Yes, absolutely. And if you're going to go into intelligence work, you you need to have the, that very difficult sort of dis- serious discussion with yourself internally. Um, and you need to think about that. And, I'm, you know, I'm not saying everybody needs to go in prepared to, to be a whistleblower. Um, but these, these, you know, you look at cases like reality winner, right? Like you make, yeah, it is a good one. Yeah. You make these impulsive decisions. Um, maybe you, you may be naive. You may be, you know, you may be an absolute all out trader. Uh, but if you're not thinking about it and you don't, uh, act with integrity, uh, it doesn't leave, um, the intelligence community um, or your government or observers to, uh, to walk away with, um, you know, any respect for what you did. Yeah, absolutely. So challenging problems. We haven't, you know, it's, these are persistent dilemmas that will always exist. I think we probably uh, could do more to prepare people um to deal with those kinds of conflicts and offer, um, uh, you know, meaningful ways for them to resolve them inside. Yeah. The and it is available. Yeah. There are, there actually is an awful lot of, um, uh, avenues you can take within the community, within specific agencies. It's actually part of training and it takes up, uh, um, a significant amount of training and it's not just about whistleblower. It's, there's other sorts of, uh, uh, everything from counseling available to um, reassignment that can be requested, and yeah, as part of as part of any sort of orientation training for um, uh, any any hires, it doesn't matter what kind of training it is, doesn't matter what capacity you work in for these agencies, uh, they they offer that. But there's a lot so, of there's a lot of mistrust, and I don't know how you yeah solve, sure I don't know how you solve that problem. Um, yeah, you know, and that and that that'll be a, uh, a dilemma too. Because that's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, anything, anything. You know, when you have internal counseling, say if I go to counseling, does this mean I'm going to lose my clearance because um, I had to seek counseling from within? Right. No, typically, it typically doesn't. Not unless you really blown a gasket or there's something truly clinical there. Um, but seeking counseling is usually encouraged. So. Um, but yeah, that doesn't mean it, that doesn't make it easy. Well, maybe we, uh, uh, we'll have more opportunities to dig into that problem. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure. Um, and you know, again, I'm not even sure that that was, um, really, you know, the case, uh, uh, for Mr. Snowden. Um, you know, I don't, I'm like you, I don't, uh, I don't buy the, uh, I don't buy the narrative uh, hook, line, and sinker. And uh, again, um, if that was the case, then 
the actions that followed uh, did a tremendous amount to undermine that credibility. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, like I said, we're going to keep this short. I appreciate you coming back on short notice. Um, uh, You can take a Thursday off if you want. (laughs) I'll let you flex. Uh, but if, but if not, um, I'll see you next Thursday. Sounds like a plan. You have been listening to covert contact from blogs of war. This podcast is produced, written and hosted by John little follow John on Twitter at blogs of war and join the conversation with hashtag CCBOW. Thanks for listening.